1: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500,
2: 500
3: Was this like a community of people doing this?
2: More like a, a nation of people doing this.
3: He's talking about a scam so simple you think it would never work. But for years now, people like Corey Williams have been filing bogus tax returns in order to collect billions of dollars in fraudulent refunds.
4: By the year 2016, IRS will be hemorrhaging and losing $21 billion due to this type of fraud.
3: It's only 2014. Don't you think something can be done in the next two years to fix
4: this? Well, that is my hope. The
5: Department of Veterans Affairs is a behemoth, the second largest agency in the entire government and America's largest health care system. It suffered the biggest scandal in its history. Can one of America's top CEOs fix it? How long is that going to take?
6: Well, it's going to take time. The news media is not helping me, right? Because every adverse outcome that gets amplified by the media uh, doesn't help me. I I was on a... Got a bad reputation. Uh, I do, but we're changing it.
7: Foo Fighters may be America's best rock and roll band. That's not the only reason they're on 60 Minutes tonight. They're also in the midst of one of the most interesting music projects we've ever seen. You know I'm not in the clear. Dave Grohl, the band's leader, invited us along to watch as they traveled to eight American cities, (laughs) interviewed some of the most influential musicians, to record all that's great about American music.
5: I'm Steve Croft. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Morley Safer. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm Bill Whitaker. I'm Scott Pelly. Those stories tonight on 60 Minutes.
8: Getting your mailing and shipping done can seem like a no-win situation. Going to the post office takes up valuable time and leasing a postage meter is expensive with multi-year commitments and hidden fees. Luckily, there's a better way, Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your desk using your own computer and printer. You'll even get special postage discounts you can't find at the post office. Plus, Stamps.com is more powerful than a postage meter at just a fraction of the cost. Save up to 80% compared to a postage meter and avoid those time-consuming trips to the post office. Right now, get this special offer from Stamps.com when you use the promo code 60MINUTES, a no-risk trial plus a $110 bonus offer that includes a digital scale and up to $55 free postage. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in 60 minutes. That's stamps.com promo code 60 minutes.
3: There have been lots of stories over the past few months on identity theft and how the information can be used against you. You may have heard something about stolen identity tax fraud. You may even have been a victim of it. It's the biggest tax scam around right now. As we first reported in September, this is how it works. Someone steals your identity, files a bogus tax return in your name before you do, and collects a refund from the IRS. It's so simple you would think it would never work. But it does. It's been around since 2008. You'd think the IRS would have come up with a way to stop it. It hasn't. Instead, the scam's gone viral, tripling in the last three years. The government says it's affecting millions of Americans and costing taxpayers billions of dollars every year proving once again what every good con man already knows. There is no underestimating the general dysfunction and incompetence of government bureaucracy.
4: It's a tsunami of fraud that we have been encountering. Mm -hmm. The vast number of of, of fraudulent tax returns is something that I don't think the IRS ever really uh, was ready for.
3: Wilfredo Ferrer is the United States Attorney for Southern Florida, and George Pirro, the agent in charge of the Miami field office of the FBI. Together, they run a federal task force operating at the epicenter of the largest tax scam in the country.
4: Florida um, has been third year in a row on the top, number one, in terms of ID theft complaints, and Miami is also number one in terms of metropolitan areas that suffer from identity fraud. Mm-hmm.
3: Don't take this the wrong way. Is there any scheme that Miami <laughs> is not number one at?
4: We have very uh, sophisticated and good criminals, uh, Steve, who, who know how to, how to, you know, defeat the system.
3: For decades now, South Florida has been the Silicon Valley for scam artists, drawn here by the weather, the beaches, and the opportunity to make lots of money without actually doing much work. There's Medicare fraud, mortgage fraud, securities fraud, and now what the Justice Department calls stolen identity tax refund fraud, a tax preparation scheme epitomized by an overabundance of questionable-looking establishments that have sprung up here over the past few years. But this scam is so easy you don't even need an office.
4: For this fraud, all you need is a laptop, someone's Social Security number, date of birth, not even their name. They can do it from their kitchen table, they can do it at a fast food chain restaurant, or they can do it uh, on the beach as long as they have Wi-Fi access.
3: Actually, Corey Williams says you don't even need a laptop. You can file phony returns on your cell phone if you have the right app. He used to be a legitimate tax preparer until his boss turned him onto the scam. Before he was arrested and sentenced to 40 months in prison, he'd made millions and millions of
2: dollars. Anybody who knew about it, you'd be a fool to not, not try to get involved with making some money. I could wake up in the comfort of my own home and um, just get on a laptop, do about 15 returns a day, uh, 15 times $3,000 a return. That's $45,000 a day. So you had a home office? Yeah, I used to work in, I, w- I would work in my boxes and the T-shirt. Yeah. It's as easy as
3: one, two, three. Williams gave us a demonstration. One, you collect or buy a list of stolen identities that are readily available in Miami if you know the right people. Two, you go to one of dozens of tax preparation sites online and using the stolen social security numbers and dates of birth, you fill out a completely bogus W 2 form claiming a modest refund of a few thousand dollars.
2: It has given us a refund. $4,834.
3: Free. You tell the IRS if you want the refund mailed to your house, wired to your bank account, or loaded onto a prepaid debit card. you have any idea how many returns, how many bogus returns you filled out?
2: It has to be like in the thousands. Did the IRS pay all of them? On a percentage range, you'd say they would pay out 40% of the tax returns. Once you hit the send button, how long did it take you to get a check? Seven days. Seven days? Yes. So
3: you'd send in these returns, and seven days later, you'd get a check? Yes. Forty percent of the time? Forty percent of the time. Where would you have them send the check?
2: Uh, You could send the checks to an address, any address. I've seen cases where 25 checks came to one address, and the mailman delivered it.
3: It sounded so outrageous, we wanted to run it by the federal task force. So you just... Put down a name and a Social Security number, and make you could make up an employer or the amount of money that was earned and withheld, That's and it. send it
4: off to the IRS, and they'll send you a check back for the refund? They will pay most of the time unless they catch that there's some fraudulent you know, uh, information, and then it's our job uh, to chase. I'm still amazed that you don't need to provide any documentation when you file your tax return.
9: There are no su- uh, supporting documents when you're filing electronically. And that's the ease or the convenience that was created for the benefit of the innocent taxpayer, which is now being exploited by criminals.
3: You would think that the IRS computers would notice that they were sending thousands of checks to a handful of addresses, but they didn't. And you might expect that the IRS would match taxpayer returns with legitimate W-2 forms filed by employers. It doesn't do that either, because the law requires refund checks to be sent out within six weeks. And employer W-2s are often not available until months later. So if a bogus return is received before a legitimate one, the check will go out to the crooks.
4: The way that you learn that you become a victim of this is when you go in and try to file your return and the IRS tells you, oh, you've already filed. You're like, no, I haven't. I'm like, yes, you have. Well, it wasn't you. It was the fraudster who used your identity to file the return. And it's
3: not an easy problem to get fixed. Many of the people in this line outside the IRS office in Plantation, Florida, are victims of the fraud, waiting to prove their identity and claim their rightful refund. They will eventually be reimbursed, but it can involve massive amounts of paperwork, multiple visits to the office, and months and months of waiting. Did you know about this before you got this job? Uh, I had no idea about
10: this before I started getting briefed last fall.
3: John Koskinen is the commissioner of the IRS, its fourth commissioner in just two years. It's become a high turnover position in part because the agency has been beset by a number of embarrassing problems, including stolen identity tax fraud that have led people to question its competency. I mean, it looks to me like the IRS got really
10: outsmarted by some people who were not all that bright or not all that ingenious what happened was a lot of people discovered that a social security numbers are either easy to steal or find or buy and then b you could file a false return why didn't anybody anticipate that well i think it goes back to the fact that people didn't anticipate social security numbers uh going to be so readily available uh the assumption was uh until very recently that a Social Security number was a part of your identity that you protected and took great care of, so that uh, no one actually ever expected that those would be easy to get a hold of. But there were plenty of warnings.
3: The Senate Finance Committee held hearings on stolen identity refund fraud way back in 2009, when then-IRS Commissioner Douglas Shulman testified.
0: I discussed the issue of identity theft with the senior leaders at the IRS my first day on the job.
3: There were more hearings in 2011 and another in 2012 with Deputy IRS Commissioner Steve Miller. We cannot stop all identity theft.
4: However, we are better than we were, uh, and we will get better still.
3: In those ensuing years, the number of cases of stolen identity refund fraud have risen from
4: 51,000 to nearly 3 million. In the year 2012, the Department of Treasury's Inspector General predicted that by the year 2016, IRS will be hemorrhaging and losing $21 billion due to this type of fraud.
3: It's only 2014. Don't you think something can be done in the next two years to fix this?
4: Well, that is my hope. But it will not
3: be easy. The entire IRS system uses Social Security numbers as its primary means of identifying taxpayers, even though they're now ubiquitous in public,
4: private and corporate files, just waiting to be stolen by thieves. The key to this is to have somebody in the inside or someone who has access to our Social Security numbers, to our date of births, and a lot of these individuals are insiders in big institutions, in banks, hospitals, schools, clinics.
2: We would approach anyone who worked at like a dental office, anybody who worked in a medical field. You would would just approach them, you tell them if they get you a hundred names, you would give them a thousand dollars. These people easy to find in Miami? Very easy. Very easy.
3: As you would think, if you went in and started knocking doors and asking people that worked at hospitals and doctors' offices and dentists' offices, somebody would call the cops.
2: No, they they needed the money more than they wanted to call the cops. Everybody was with it. Everybody was with the scam.
3: Was this like a community of people doing this?
2: Uh, More like a... a a nation of people
3: doing this. It's gone from hundreds of people filing hundreds of fraudulent returns to thousands of people filing millions of fraudulent returns. And it's become much more organized. U.S. Attorney Ferrer says some people are even setting
4: up franchises. We have had uh, defendants, masterminds of these schemes, uh, engage in filing parties. And what they do is that they invite their friends to a hotel room or to an apartment And then they tell them how to do it in return for a cut of these tax returns.
3: You make it sound like Amway or Tupperware. That's what we've seen. Even Ferrer's old boss, U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, had had his identity stolen in an IRS refund scam. And a number of members of the task force have also been victimized, including North Miami Beach police officer Rocky Festa, who says local police departments have been hit hard. had...
2: Uh, Nearly the entire department, which was uh, 50-some-odd officers, got hit. Davie Fire and Davie Police, uh, it was in the hundreds. Um, They were all victims of tax
3: return fraud. Festa and his partner, Craig Caitlin, now work exclusively on tax refund cases and were among the first to discover the breadth of the scam five years ago when they began finding tax documents and stacks of prepaid debit cards when they pulled over suspicious vehicles. Here's a wire plastic with the card. You Uh can get one of these prepaid debit cards almost anywhere, usually without providing identification. You then deposit and withdraw money from it as needed. It's like a bank account for people who don't have one. Now, is that a Visa, a real Visa card? It's a real Visa card. So you can go into a convenience store and buy a Visa card? Right off the shelf. If you want, the IRS will electronically deposit tax refunds directly onto these cards, no questions asked eliminating the need for crooks to ever actually set foot inside a bank or to try and cash a refund check. They can spend the money in stores or withdraw it from ATMs. So this is kind of like a
10: throwaway phone. Yes, sir. Yeah, once the money goes on the card, you empty the money off on ATMs and you put the card in the garbage. It's pretty good.
3: The prepaid cards are now used by millions of Americans to collect $142 billion in government entitlements, like Social Security and Medicare payments.
10: IRS Commissioner Koskinen thinks it's an invitation to commit fraud. The prepaid cards are the currency of criminals. Our problem is you can't distinguish the number of a prepaid card from a legitimate bank account. Almost impossible to trace, right? It is uh, almost impossible to trace. Why doesn't somebody put an end to that? There are a significant percentage of the population unbanked, as it were called. Because if you don't allow them to use a prepaid card, uh, they're going to have to get a check, and they'll have to pay somebody a lot of money to cash that check. So you're disadvantaging a significant part of the population. And empowering a, a criminal network. And you're empowering a criminal network. Five years into the scam, The IRS can still not always
3: tell if the person filing the return and claiming the refund is actually the real taxpayer. By comparison, the credit card companies are much better at flagging
10: suspicious charges before they're paid out. Credit card companies don't have that much of a problem with this. Why can't the IRS do that? So that's the direction in which we're going. Uh, It's a significant um, uh, move into what I call the 21st century. Mm -hmm. We're still kind of in the late 1900s. But this is still a big problem that we, while we're making great progress, we've got a lot of work to do.
3: And they're having trouble keeping up with the con artists. Last month, the IRS announced that hackers had busted into its computer system and stolen another 104,000 taxpayer identities, which so far have been used to collect nearly $50 million in bogus refunds. As for Corey Williams, he's now in jail serving his 40-month sentence.
8: to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it
5: the department of veterans affairs is in the midst of the biggest reorganization in its history it comes after the agency's biggest fiasco it was just a year ago that we learned that tens of thousands of vets were waiting months for medical care while managers cooked the books to hide the delays the former secretary was forced out. As we first reported last fall, the new man in charge has no government or medical experience. But 62-year-old Bob McDonald does know management. He was chief executive officer of Procter & Gamble, the largest consumer products company in the world. We wanted to know how a soap salesman will go about cleaning up the VA. How many
6: employees do you think should be fired? Based on what you know? Well, the report we've passed up to, the, um, to the, the Senate committee and House committee has about 35 names on it. I've got another report that has over 1,000. If 1,000 people need to go, give me a sense of what are some of the things that they did? Well, we're, we're simplistically talking about people who violated our values. And those values are what? It's integrity, it's uh, advocacy, it's respect, it's excellence um these are the things that we try to do for our veterans but bob mcdonald can't punish or fire a thousand people
5: right now he's discovering how different the capital is from capitalism to fire a government manager he has to put together a case and prove it to an
6: administrative judge scott the reason this is this reason this is okay in some respects is that A lot of people think it's not okay that if people lied and put veterans second and their self first, they should be cleared out. Absolutely, absolutely. But we've got to make it stick. How do you mean? So we propose the action, the judge rules and the individual has a time to appeal. That's why we have a lot of people on administrative leave. We've moved them out because we don't want any harm to our veterans. I'd like you to meet
5: my district commander. Hi, Bob McDonald. When we met McDonald, he'd been on the job four months and was getting an education. He had inspected 41 VA facilities. We caught up with him in Boston, where we discovered that he refuses to be called Mr. Secretary.
6: Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Bob. Please call me Bob.
5: His Washington staff can't get their heads around calling the boss by his first name, so they've taken to calling him Secretary Bob. So you with Patton?
6: No. In North Africa? He was with me.
5: He'll need that sense of humor because McDonald is battling a behemoth cobbled together over decades. The VA is the second largest agency in the entire federal government, behind only the Department of Defense.
6: We have no hope of taking care of veterans
5: if we don't take care of each other. He has 340,000 employees who handle services ranging from home mortgages to college loans to heart transplants.
6: Well, you got got people who really care about veterans here. Exactly. And
5: we With nine million patients, the VA is America's largest health care system, but it had slipped into critical condition. Last year, a doctor in Phoenix exposed those phony wait lists.
6: It is dishonorable,
5: it
1: is disgraceful, and I will not tolerate it, period.
5: Investigators found that the official record showed that vets in Phoenix were getting appointments in 14 days, But this was the true wait list. Those are numbers of days in the right-hand column, more than 400 days in most cases. The investigation found that the wait may have contributed to six deaths. It was all because Phoenix was overwhelmed. The general condition of the emergency room at that time, you would describe as what?
2: Chaos. Absolute chaos.
5: Dr. Catherine Mitchell was co-director of the emergency room. How well known was it inside the VA in Phoenix that veterans were going months without getting an appointment?
2: Everyone knew that. Um, Everyone that worked at the Phoenix VA for any length of time.
5: And when she reported the problems, she was reassigned to an empty clinic.
2: In 2013, I submitted a confidential OIG complaint regarding the life-threatening issues within the Phoenix VA system.
5: Dr. Mitchell was among the first to blow the whistle.
2: I had veterans who had survived World War II, who'd survived Pork Chop Hill, who'd survived um, the Battle of Fallujah, who who had gone through so many uh, situations of combat where it's a life and death situation, and yet I could not guarantee their safety in the middle of metropolitan Phoenix in my ER because we didn't have adequate staffing or training.
5: A nationwide investigation confirmed the phony wait lists in Phoenix and 92 other VA centers. When you read that in the inspector
6: general's report, you thought what? I was incensed. I was incensed. Our veterans have earned these benefits. They earn them with their lives in danger. It
5: strikes me that you are coming into a system which was
6: broken because the people in the regions were lying to headquarters. This is one of the reasons I have traveled. I've got to get to the bottom of it. I've got to meet the people. So the adverse information gets from the bottom to the top as quick as possible. People get rewarded for bringing adverse information forward. That has never been the case before. It's going to be the case now. I have a piece of paper right here uh, from a veteran. The day we were with him, a vet
5: had driven 1,200 miles to get care at the Boston VA hospital she slipped mcdonald
6: this note can you read it it says i'm from alabama and i had to come here to boston to get care uh that breaks my heart other failures boggle the mind in pittsburgh six vets
5: died of legionnaires disease in a va hospital that had known its water system was contaminated in brockton massachusetts A Vietnam vet was hospitalized for eight years with a psychiatric disorder, but no one ever scheduled an appointment for him with a psychiatrist. When you got the call suggesting this job, I would imagine you would have thought, oh boy, I'm not sure I need that headache
6: at this point in my life. Uh, My immediate reaction was I want to do it. I feel like my whole life has been designed to lead to this. The design of Bob McDonald's life
5: in many ways started at the U.S. Military Academy. He graduated in 75 and served five years as a paratrooper. He bought his first home with a VA loan and the VA paid for his master's degree. In 33 years at Procter and Gamble, he put Tide, Pampers and Joy into most of the cupboards on earth. Though he left West Point long ago, West Point never left him. First time you saw this view of the Hudson River, you were 18 years old here at West Point, getting sworn in at this very spot. And I wonder what that experience has done to inform your life.
6: I think it's the, the West Point motto, duty, honor, country. He's sentimental that
5: way, uncompromising. So it's no wonder his new number two at the VA is his West Point classmate, Sloan Gibson, who used to run the USO. As cadets, they sat across the table from each other in the mess hall. The, the first place I visited was Phoenix, uh, ground zero. Uh, while I was in Phoenix, I met with a large group of employees. They wanted to do the right thing, they worked really hard, but the system and the organization was just not supporting them. What I saw there leadership failure, mismanagement, and chronic underinvestment in the system. Already, Gibson has suspended bonuses for all VA executives, and he fired the director of an Alabama hospital.
4: Any questions?
5: No, all set. Thank you very much. Bob McDonald's reorganization of the VA is designed so veterans
6: won't have to go to war to get their benefits. Right now, they, they face nine different organization structures across the country, so they don't know where to go. And if they do find somebody to go to, that person may be an expert in benefits, but not an expert in healthcare. And we want to create a customer service representative that that person can go to. Secondly, they face multiple websites that require multiple usernames and multiple passwords. And that's not acceptable. We've got to get to one website, one entry point, and then fan people out from there.
9: Can you stand up for me?
6: Something he's already
5: done is given doctors a raise. VA physicians were making less than most private doctors. It was hard to fill the open jobs, and that led to those intolerable wait lists. How many doctors and nurses and medical professionals
6: do you need to hire right now? If we could do it today, uh, we would tell you we probably need about 28,000 is what we said in our in our committee testimony. I'm sorry, 28,000? Yes, 000? yes. But wait a minute. How Scott. long is that going to take? Well, it's going to take time because every adverse outcome that gets amplified by the media uh, doesn't help me. I, I was on. You've a, got a bad reputation. Uh, I do, but we're changing it. But it is the largest integrated health network in the United States. He's trying to change
5: that reputation himself. Is McDonald is personally recruiting doctors and nurses. This was Massachusetts General Hospital.
6: If you want to do research, clinical work and teach at the same time. This is a great place to work.
5: Later, we caught him calling a young doctor that he'd met the day before.
6: I heard what a wonderful cardiologist you are. So we got some state-of-the-art stuff we're doing here. We'd love to get you on board, and if you get to Washington, I'd love to see you.
5: And if you know the number of a good psychiatrist, McDonald needs to hire 2,500 mental health professionals. Since 2006, 400,000 vets, many from Iraq and Afghanistan, have applied
6: for mental health services. We've had an instance uh, where we've spoken to the family, and the family has told us that the individual came to the VA, and they got out of their car, and they took their own life in our parking lot because they knew that we could then deal with it, and they didn't want to do it at home with their family. Deal with their body? Well, deal with the tragedy.
5: What we try and there do. are many tragic we're senseless failures around the VA it's but we noticed something else too it's great if there's any bonuses to be given
6: out give them to these people I will
5: everywhere McDonald went there were plenty of vets eager to praise their care from rehab and there was a lot of other guys that and ladies that you know was homeless like I had became mm-hmm. and we stayed like a family to a Boston homeless shelter. Funded by the VA.
1: Thank you for coming, sir. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs>
6: I knew you were here. I wanted to see you.
5: While his staff gets used to Secretary Bob, there's another term they're learning. He calls vets customers, which, to a Procter and Gamble mind, is both a compliment and a bond. McDonald says by next year there will be one website, not 12. New patients will see a doctor within 30 days, and no one will wait for their benefits. What do you owe these veterans, not the VA, but Bob McDonald?
6: What do you owe these veterans? Well, this this is very personal. Because I served with a lot of these guys. And we were in very dangerous situations. And anytime you jump out of an airplane in a parachute, you're putting your life in danger. And as a jump master, you're checking that person's equipment. And their life is relying on yours. That's the kind of relationships you create. those are the relationships that drive me to do this.
5: A few footnotes to our story. Last fall, McDonald apologized for telling a homeless veteran that he had served in special operations when he had only gone through the training. As for the VA, the average wait for a doctor is now just four days, And McDonald fired the executive director of that Phoenix hospital at the center of the scandal. We kick it around with the world's greatest soccer player, Barcelona's Lionel Messi. Plus, do the Cubs' new owners see a pennant in Wrigley's
6: future? We're competitive people. We want to win.
5: 60 Minute Sports, Wednesday, July 1st, only on Showtime
0: and Showtime Anytime.
8: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
7: When David Letterman retired in May, he could have chosen just about anyone in the world to be his final musical guest. The honor went to Foo Fighters one of the last great American rock bands that consistently sells millions of albums and fills stadiums around the world. They were created 20 years ago by lead singer and guitarist Dave Grohl, but it was his latest project that really got our attention. The band has made a multi-part documentary and recorded an album called Sonic Highways. It's a mix of music history, journalism, songwriting, and old-fashioned rock and roll. And as we first reported last fall... It's unlike anything any rock band has ever attempted, and a reflection of everything Dave Grohl loves about making music. Foo Fighters sound is raw, real rock and roll. No tricks, no gimmicks. I- This was one of two sold-out shows they played to 165,000 fans in London's Wembley Stadium in 2008. But Dave Grohl insists money has never been his motivation. The reward of playing music should be playing music. But isn't that easy to say for someone who's, you know, incredibly successful?
9: It's really easy for me to say, but that's the way I felt before any of this happened. I, was do- I wasn't doing it so that this would happen. I was doing it because
7: I loved it. And you still love to play? Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> A lot. That love of playing is what Grohl believes should always be at the heart of music.
9: Don't worry about what everyone else thinks. Don't let someone say, like, sorry, you didn't win the song contest. Go home.
7: But on, you know, American Idol, the judges will say, well, look, are you doing somebody a favor by telling them keep going at something they're not good at?
9: Who's to say what they're, uh, who's good or not? Imagine Bob Dylan standing there and singing Blown in the Wind in front of those judges. Sorry, it's a little nasally and a little flat. Next.
7: How, how would you do an lo- American Idol? Oh, I,
9: I would never make it, ever in a heartbeat people need to appreciate uh their voice
7: i don't want to sing like someone else i want to sing like me grohl was singing his heart out when we met up with foo fighters last year in new orleans they'd taken over preservation hall a legendary jazz performance space in the french quarter On a Saturday night, the windows were opened up for the first time in more than 50 years. So the band could play a surprise show for hundreds of stunned passersby. The concert was being shot for an eight-part HBO documentary about the history of modern American music that Dave Grohl is directing. Each episode focuses on the unique musical heritage of one city. To help him learn that history... Grohl interviewed local musicians everywhere the band went, among them Troy Andrews, better known as Trombone Shorty.
9: Where are you from? From New Orleans, from here, Tremé neighborhood. When I interview these people and I get them to explain not only the history of the city, but the influence that that, that has on the music that comes from here, there's a reason why... Chicago blues sounds like Chicago blues. And there's a reason why jazz music is here in
7: New Orleans. And the reason is is the history of how that music was formed. It could formed.
9: be anything. In Seattle, it rains all the time, so people stay in their basements and write songs. <laughs> Honestly,
7: Grohl approached the project as both a musician and a historian, and says he was often surprised about what he learned.
9: Well, everybody knows Nashville is the country music capital of the world. But then I start to realize, wait a minute. All of these, the, the foundation of a lot of these musicians is in the church, whether it's Dolly Parton or Carrie Underwood. or
7: that, like They started in the church. I never knew that. It seems like the subtext is the roots of music matter oh, and yeah. are important for people to know. I feel like
9: I have the opportunity and the resource to give this to everyone. I can do it. So why wouldn't I do it?
7: This is trombone shorty down here. And, what made the you know, project so ambitious is that, that, that Grohl wasn't just shooting a documentary. He was also using the, the interviews to come to up with material a for a new song he'd write in each of the eight cities Foo Fighters spent so. a weekend. The way you're writing songs for this album is completely different than yeah. anything you've ever done. It, it, as far as I know, different than anyone's ever really done. These are all things that people
9: have talked about. New Orleans is a crossroad. The spirits on the square. Cyril Neville used to watch his family p- play music through like cracks in a door. Yeah. And he'd press his face against the screen and he'd go home with the imprint
7: of a screen on his so head. So these are all phrases that you got out of interviewing various artists Yeah, and words and phrases. You know I'm not in the clear. Rohl had just written the song an hour earlier. It wouldn't be released for 6 months, but he invited us to watch him record it.
1: You know I'm not in the Clear.
7: It's called In the Clear and references the lingering effects of Hurricane Katrina and the history of jazz. None of the Foo Fighters knew much about jazz before coming to New Orleans, but that was the whole reason to make the trip. The last day in town, Grohl and the band joined a large crowd on St. Charles Avenue to take part in a local Sunday tradition—a musical jazz parade known as a second line.
9: This is one of the best things about music, you know. This is real and it's right now and it's happening. The musical history in this country is deep, you know, and there's so much of it that I honestly feel like if music were more a part of our daily lives, this country would be a better place. There is a river
7: I found. A few months later, Grohl was back in Los Angeles along with bassist Nate Mendel, drummer Taylor Hawkins, and guitarist Pat Smear, and Chris Shiflett in Studio 606, the recording facility they built. They showed us some of their new documentary series and told us how learning about the history of American music has changed the way they listen to it.
0: It's just such a big soup, American music. You know, it's all connected. It's not like what we do is drastically different from what a country band would do, or even maybe a New Orleans jazz band. It's all, it's pretty
1: similar. That's interesting. And it's interconnected.
7: The first episode is about the history of punk rock and blues in Chicago. This is a good example of...
9: Uh, a moment in an interview that made its way into one of our songs.
7: The interview was with Buddy Guy, a guitarist and singer who took a train north from Louisiana in 1957 and became a blues legend.
6: Oh, I put it like this. I was looking for a dime and I found a quarter.
9: (laughs) I mean, when that came out of his mouth as I was sitting there interviewing him, I just thought, I have to tell
7: his story in this song And that's what Grohl has done The song he wrote in Chicago is called Something From Nothing Chicago isn't just important to American music it's played a crucial role in Dave Grohl's own history He grew up in Virginia and when he was 13 on a family trip to Chicago a cousin took him to his first concert (laughs) a local punk rock band called Naked Raygun. That night changed Grohl's life. My belly was
9: up against the stage and the singer was diving on my head and it was so loud, my teeth itched, you know, and (laughs) there was spit and sweat. And that, that night, I just thought,
7: I can do this. Grohl taught himself to play guitar and drums and at 17 dropped out of high school to go on tour with a punk band. By 21, he was broke in Los Angeles with no way to get home. That's when he got a call about joining a Seattle band called Nirvana. Nirvana's first album with Grohl as drummer knocked Michael Jackson off the top of the charts and changed pop music forever. But less than three years later, Nirvana's lead singer and songwriter, Kurt Cobain, killed himself after struggling with drug addiction.
9: Losing Kurt was just earth-shattering, and I was afraid of music after he died. You couldn't even listen to music? No, man, I swear, if if I heard a song that even touched on an emotion in me, I would turn it off. I was just so terrified, because to me, that's what music always was. It was a direct connection to my heart.
7: It took him several months, but Grohl did start playing again and went into a studio to record some of his own songs. He had no band, so he sang and played all the instruments himself.
9: I call it Foo Fighters because I didn't want people... I didn't want to put my name on it at first. I didn't want people to say, like, oh, that's the guy from Nirvana. How how did you come up with the name Foo
7: Fighters? Do you like the name?
9: Had I imagined that it would last more than a month and a half, I might have named it something else. It's the dumbest band name ever. Foo Fighters was a slang term that they used for UFOs in World War II.
7: Now 46, Grohl is not the drummer of Foo Fighters, but he is still considered one of the greatest of his generation. Nirvana was recently inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it's likely one day Foo Fighters will be as well. Grohl lives in Los Angeles with his wife and three young daughters, none of whom seem to care their dad is a rock star, particularly when they just want to go swimming. He doesn't like to be away from home for more than two weeks at a time, but has begun a new tour and is already planning another album.
9: This is all I do, man. Like,
7: There's not other interests you have. This is it.
9: All I do is shuttle kids around in a minivan and then come down here and be in the Foo Fighters. That's it. And I'm not lying. <laughs> That's true, man.
7: Foo Fighters returned to each of the eight cities where they recorded Sonic Highways. Grohl fell in love with one city in particular.
9: That week we had in New Orleans totally changed my life. How so? It made me fall head over heels in love with music all over again. my friend Troy
0: You might know.:
7: One of his favorite memories from that week in New Orleans was when Foo Fighters gave the Surprise show in the French Quarter. After playing on their own, they were joined by the legendary Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Trombone Shorty showed up late and had to borrow an old horn, but the sound was pure Orleans. Rock drummer Taylor Hawkins had help from jazz drummer Joe Lasty Jr., who comes from a long line of local musicians... And told us he always dreamed of being a rock star. His wish came true that night. Grohl called it a musical gumbo, a beautiful blend of sounds and styles. A true celebration of what American music is all about.
5: Join Anderson Cooper inside Dave Grohl's home studio. Go to 60MinutesOvertime.com. Sponsored by Lyrica.
3: I'm Steve Croft. We'll be back next week with another edition of 60 Minutes. Tomorrow, be sure to watch CBS This Morning.
0: If you like 60 Minutes, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey.
4: Listen to the 48 Hours podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real-life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts.